Hello and welcome to Top Tier, episode 10. I'm your host, Daniel Pavluchkov, and today's guest is Katerina Suchkova, a product coach for PM career and craft. Every PM wants to actively grow, and some take the driver's seat on that path. Katia helps such product managers to rediscover and intentionally craft their career journeys. She also works with organizations as a consultant to help them build their first product competences matrix and a career progression framework. Over the last few years, Katya worked with many PMs and companies, and of course, she saw patterns in how people progress and what unlocks their growth. In this episode, we will talk about two career paths for product managers, an expert track and a people manager track, why you should focus on soft skills, how to find time for your growth when you have 10 meetings every day, why you should let go to start growing, and what Eastern philosophy or behavior of psychology has to do with becoming a better PM. I can't wait to share all this with you. So let's head to the studio and meet Katya. Hi, Katerina. Welcome to the show. I'm super happy to have you. Hi. Hi, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this chat because uh, the topic we selected is a topic of passion for me. So I'm super curious to get started. But maybe before we do that, could you please introduce yourself briefly and maybe tell uh, the listeners about your journey so far? Sure. So um, just like a journey for many PMs that, uh, that I know, I kind of slipped into the product management. Um, it was about a decade ago. I didn't have any preparation, um, nor did I have any intention of that. And to be honest, I fell in love. And I, you know, I think it's, it, it will resonate with a lot of PMs who kind of found themselves doing product management and then like, oh, actually, like I enjoy doing that. And since I kind of fell in love, I really never, never looked back. Um, it's been since then a journey of a personal, professional growth, evolution, unlearning, um, as well as learning and, and discoveries. And instead of kind of um, going into the chronological um, description of events that kind of make up my, my journey, um, I thought I'm going to, looking back, I'm going to just point out three big decisions um, that really helped me to get, not even helped me, but they, they brought me where I am today. And those decisions were really kind of forks in the road. Um, I believe that every one of us have those forks and really depending on um, the decision that we make, we end up in a potentially very different uh, place. But the first one was really me uh, moving to, to the US. I was, um, I was 18 and then instead of kind of leaving after three, four months I decided to stay and that really brought me to um, so many paths I probably wouldn't even explored or found um, otherwise. The other um, kind of fork on the road or a big decision was really me going to um, uh, after I graduated it was also a bit of a um, as we know economic crisis um, I went to New Zealand for um, to join um, health tech startup and this is where my mind literally got blown away because my um, what I was studying was really product marketing, more marketing than than product uh, marketing communications. And when I found myself really being in the startup and realizing how much um, I can create, how much impact I can make, and really finding myself in between, you know, being uh, between my co-founder, designer. Um, an engineer trying to kind of translate all those three different languages. And that's where I really realized that, wow, this is where I want to stay. This is where I want to dedicate my whatever next 
decade or maybe entire life to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the last one was really just me a few years ago in 2018, moving from um, kind of figuring out the new lifestyle um, for myself and my partner. We became location independent. We moved away from San Diego and we've been, um, you know, sort of digital nomads since then. And it helped me to um, grow in so many other directions, um, not just career wise. Well, that's a wonderful journey. And you've been across the globe, starting in one place, moving to the other, and then circling back to New Zealand. That's insane. It, um, I also know that uh, from your career perspective, you started recently to coach other product managers. So I understood that for you, like for me, product management is a very interesting and a deep topic. And you started helping other people move through those ladders and career paths and also explore possibilities for them and also help companies design those paths and those ladders for people to transition forward. So you started that particular kind of work several years ago. What did you saw on the market that told you, yeah, this is the right time to do that. This, there is an opportunity. I could make an impact there. Yeah, great, great question. I guess I, I really saw a few things. There was, you know, some empirical experience observing other PMs and companies they work for. Um, there were insights also shared by other product leaders. So what was interesting to me is that I saw that in the last literally two to three years, there was 32% increase in demand for all PM roles versus 6% for all other jobs. Oh, wow. So it's a five and a half times more considering everything else is equal. And to top that off, there was, I saw also um, some data point where it was 50% growth in demand just for senior PM roles. Mm-hmm. Right, so what it told me that a couple of data points that um, more PMs are, first of all, companies are looking for more qualified and more experienced PMs. But if they are looking, it means that, you know, some people already achieved that mid-career point. And that kind of really goes back to some of that empirical experience and um, really observing and working with so many talented senior PMs that kind of find themselves a little stuck at that point. Like, okay, so I am senior PM. I, you know, I can keep doing things better and faster and more, but where is it going to get me? Will it get me to where I want to be? And, oh, wait, where do I want to be? Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> so that just kind of really... Um, creates a lot of questions once you start thinking about that. Um, And also looking at the number of startups, especially startups who are graduating into like uh, series A or series B, uh, there was another data point and empirical observation to that, you know, those type of companies, they are really optimizing for um, either product market fit or maybe at that point, just the hyper growth. Uh-huh. So we have to be honest with ourselves and understand that if that's what company prioritizing growth, my personal growth and professional growth as a PM or any other uh, function is most likely is not going to be a, a priority. So that all of that really showed me that, hey, there is an opportunity um, to come in and really support those uh, CPOs and uh, VP of products as they are really focusing on scaling their product. Um, help them to set up those career letters, really talk with their PMs, understand, um, you know, maybe set up some competencies framework that well, for the most part, also a very tedious, very long mm-hmm. process um, to craft. And then really using it as a way to create um, a growth that can help retain talent. Because I think that's what startups want to do at the end, right? You want 
your talented people to keep staying with you, but people can't just keep drinking Kool-Aid all the time. Yeah, they need totally. to see what's there for them. And, you know, speaking about competences, we, we created our own matrix last year in fall, and it was really interesting and difficult exercise. We are now using it to plan our development plans. And before that, we thought, and may, probably many companies also thought, that the only path was to grow as a product manager, to become a people leader. So you eventually become like a head of product, director of product, VP, and so on. Mm -hmm. And this is the only path. But we have discovered that's not the case. And I wanted to ask what you think about it. Is, this, uh, is, there, is there a way for me or for a product manager to grow without becoming a people manager? Uh, such a great question. And I feel like we, um, you know, what's interesting, I guess, about leadership roles is that um, there is a, a limited number of them, Yeah. right, to kind of move in. And... To me, that's really, um, sure, it is a constraint, but it's almost like a design constraint, right? If we think about that as, a, you know, constraints you want to operate in, that's an opportunity to actually get creative uh -huh. for yourself. But in terms of, um, you know, even understanding that, okay, there is not enough um, leadership roles. Um, how do I go in the other capacity? I think the first question is really, um, which path do I want to go into, right? And to me, it really starts with that um, reflection and self-awareness and observe, like really going back to, uh, to your North Star, mm -hmm. asking yourself a question and maybe working with a mentor, maybe working with a coach, whoever can help you reflect on, hey, how did your journey look like up until now? What made you successful? Uh, what are some of those character strengths and the skills, expertise that got you to where you are. And if you, you know, doing all of that um, reflection and couple, you know, all those exercises, you realize that, um, well, I want to go to people leadership, but there is just not enough opportunities within my company. I have to be honest, I've seen so many successful principal PMs, uh -huh. um, product manager leads who are, very content with their individual um, contribution path. Uh -huh. uh, the, to me, that really speaks to that really, you know, know thyself, right? It's really, okay, this is the path that I want to take um, and I'm content and I'm happy. But another part of getting creative is really understanding that even if you decide that I want to keep growing um, on my individual uh, contributor path, how do I do that? There are ways to go about it, right? You can go deeper into the specific product or problem, or you can kind of start increasing your influence. Uh -huh. You can go wider, uh -huh. right? And then from what I understand and what I, all of my uh, just interactions and friendships with PMs, like we all want to be strategic. We want to have, you know, see it all, <laughs> right? We want to be at the table and have a stake and have a um, seat and have a voice heard. And it's all, just fair, of course we do. So to me that when a lot of people hear that, oh, but if I am an individual contributor, if I'm a principal PM, it means I'm not gonna do strategy. No. Right, this is not correct because if you are someone at that principal level, you've been there, you've done that, just by increasing the width, the span of your influence by helping maybe mentor other PMs, by getting involved into critical and high visibility products. Um, that's a lot of strategic work across different um, stakeholders, across different functions. 
And to me, that really speaks to a point in Korea, probably somewhere midpoint, where instead of like, you literally have to start shifting gears from focusing on your hard skills, you know, the technical knowledge, all the hypothesis building, all the A-B testing, et cetera, and changing the direction into developing and working on your soft skills and your emotional uh -huh. intelligence, right? That something that I've seen the most, uh, you know, one of the most successful and just influential um, product managers in their principal roles do is that they work great with other people. Uh -huh. They are heard, their voices um, are heard in the room, even if they are not right, they're willing to admit that. So there is a sense of vulnerability. There is a sense of empathy for all the stakeholders and their agendas and ability to work in the room while staying really true to themselves and knowing what is that they, they trying to do. Are they just trying to push the agenda and be right? Or are they just trying to find a good solution mm -hmm. to the problem they Yeah, we also learned at here that there are two tracks that you can develop as a PM and the first one we call it expert track. That is what you explained right now, increasing the breadth and, and width and the span of your knowledge. And I think this the interesting part about it is that you might become a little bit academic in this way. So you try to find out what are the basic foundations and principles behind product management that can be applied in many different situations, what could be the frameworks, and you kind of start to create product management processes. Although as an individual contributor, you don't manage other people, but you still can have a lot of influence. And like another aspect that I think is worth mentioning is that as a PM, you work on projects and products and they have different complexity. They have different stakeholders and all that can be increased. So you could work with higher complexity or with more stakeholders. And that would also be more difficult for you as a product manager. So mm -hmm. there is a lot of potential in this expert track is to really start thinking about, okay, what does it mean to stay an individual kind of solo uh, contributor, but still have influence across the whole company. And there's definitely a place there. What I also wanted to check with you is that like I recently, last week, looked at the calendars of all of our product managers at Tier, and they're equally horrible. Like all of the slots are <laughs> taking and people just don't have like, it's five to 10 meetings every day, half an hour to one hour, and people just, their time is fractured. And of course, if you work like that, you're pretty much wasted by the end of the day, especially if you really give it all of yourself. And after work, you just can't possibly educate yourself further and learn something new. It's really, really hard. So. What would be your advice if I want to really take a leading role in my own career growth as a PM, but I'm already like giving everything that I have to my daily work? Where can I find time or energy to grow in my career? Uh, that's such a real challenge, like huge challenge. And I would do, and it's something that I encourage to do some of my PMs is first, ref let's reflect on your calendar. Hmm. Right. Let's let's take a look and then literally have um, inventory. Like let's run through every recurring meeting that you have, every new meetings that have. Then you know you schedule something else is scheduled for us. The truth for me when I did that to myself and worked with um, quite a few PMs to do that was the realization that a lot of meetings I'm either um, like in an informed role, right? So I really don't have to be there. I just, I'm, I'm there to keep the company to kind of just stay informed of what's uh -huh. happening. And rarely am I a contributor and there are only quite, if only few meetings where I'm truly driving them, where I'm the owner and it's super important for me to be there. 
So that inventory of calendar um, really, really helps. But again, you have to be a little vulnerable and you have to step in into that phase, you know, phase where, well, it's not really about me anymore. Can I delegate something? Uh-huh. Can perhaps my design partner or engineering partner can take that role? Because sometimes as PMs, we, um, uh, we have that, and I don't want to say word trauma, but it, it is in a way because we have this like post-traumatic stress disorder when we, uh, after having to defend our roles in previous companies so much, that once we find ourselves good at a particular company, we are stuck at the same mindset where we feel like, oh, if it's not me, no one can do it. Uh-huh. I have to be there because uh-huh. we are still in a defensive mode instead of, again, going back to soft skills and softening, softening around that and realizing that, oh, are there better people who can do it or someone who actually will appreciate me delegating them to them? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to feel empowered. So that's that's another one, um, kind of really practicing delegation and vulnerability. I would also talk with the manager. Uh, to me, that's um, kind of a pretty, like would be one of the first steps and try to co-create a plan, right? Maybe it could be a session where two of you are looking at the calendar. Maybe you are creating, maybe you looked yourself, but you are co-creating the plan on how to actually um, address that, right? Maybe some meetings they can take over. Maybe they can recommend someone else. And of course, it requires a transparent and honest relationship with the manager and not all of us have it. Right. That's another True. that's another fact. If, you know, if uh, a PM has a manager like like you, Daniel, I'm pretty sure they would feel um, trustworthy and good and safe to uh, to open up that container. Um, another one is really um, find an accountability partner. Maybe it uh-huh. could be it could be one of the PMs that also is trying to grow, but they find it challenging. Both, you know, science shows that when we have when we're communicating our plan or our goal to other people, we are most likely to follow through because there is that accountability. So find someone else who are very similar shoes, could be within your organization, maybe outside. Like I would maybe go to, uh, you know, women in product if you are, uh, you know, woman PM uh-huh. uh, or mind the product. There is so many, so many uh, resources to find someone who is in the very similar shoes. and. I honestly feel PMs are so driven and focused on growth. You wouldn't be able to not find anyone. Um, another one is start really small. Uh, there's a great book, Atomic Habits, um, that I would recommend to anyone. It's really all about how to change your habit. But if you are trying to change um, your habits or kind of grow but can't find the time, don't start first by you know blocking off a day yeah. or, you know, growth and development start small um identify in your plan what is the little thing that you can start on tomorrow and how might that fit in your calendar uh-huh. and you know the last part i would mention coaching too because again science shows that when you pay someone to keep you accountable that increases that commitment level absolutely uh you know the moment of my personal growth was uh when i realized that i should let go of more things that I don't need to be in every meeting. I don't need to read every Slack channel. I don't need to know all the answers. I'm not the savior or the person with the best decisions. I should be 
giving space to other people and actually in the result they started to take more initiative and they started to shine and that unlocked their growth and then it actually freed me and my resources to do something else and what you told at the very beginning that every person has a strength and the weaknesses i also believe in that that we have a everyone has a professional superpower something that if you will be doing that you'll do it 10 times better than a, an average person it could be creating a presentation could be a storytelling could be finding patterns in the strategy it doesn't matter but there is a superpower maybe two or three for each person and if you free your time to focus on those that's going to be like mind-blowing it's incredible results at least this was what happened to me several years ago and i absolutely love that you've been talking a lot about self-reflection and softness and emotional intelligence and i think that's a very important part of the growth itself and i would like to explore it a bit more with you so my mm -hmm. question is that have you found any specific let's say drivers or things that you can do outside of work they're not connected to your functional skills directly that could boost your development ah what a what a what a great question i um my, my head directly spins into this one specific direction and I'll, I'll share that. But before that, a fun fact. So again, it's talking about soft skills versus hard skills. So actually last week I ran a survey really quickly on women and product, mm -hmm. about 200 people responded. And I was really curious to see what is the, uh, like what percentage of um, their success, however they define success in their PM role, uh, they would attribute to um, soft skills versus hard, hard skills. Mm -hmm. And I ask uh, people to contribute with at least three to five years experience, because that's to me kind of like you hit in the mid-career, probably you're already, you know, th there is a better um, self-awareness at that point, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And I would... I was surprised, but at the same time, I was not because that was directly my experience. Um, but the numbers were about 96% attributed their success to just soft skills. Wow, 96, that's so high. Yeah, about 4% mentioned it was kind of 50-50, mm -hmm. and I can see that. And only 1% was really just, um, you know, the, the, the hard skills. Oh, wow. But in terms of the drivers and what I found... Um, worked for me and I can resonate exactly with what you said when you know you had to let go but then how difficult it was mm -hmm. to me that really goes back to some kind of um, um, you know spiritual growth or really self growth and development not self-help mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying to distinguish and to me that um, really comes down to um, a bit of a, that spiritual growth when I started meditating when I started reading um, the books that, you know, would go anywhere from um, philosophy, mm -hmm. psychology, uh, behavioral economics, uh, into Buddhist uh, philosophy and uh, psychology, and really exploring different domains of human thinking and human being. Um, I was both, um, you know, humbled and surprised. And the process and evolution for myself was really it was difficult, as you mentioned, you know, just letting go, letting go the fact that the world and the team does not revolve around you and you can just let go. In fact, you can delegate or you can ask someone else and they're going to feel amazing about that, right? They're going to actually going to see them flourish. So that's that was kind of the biggest driver for me. And then also comes with a, uh, a part of um, really owning your story and to me owning your story is really part of that reflection and self-awareness where 
you know, sometimes we get where we are, but really staying avert or creating some kind of aversion to some parts of ourselves that we don't like. Mm -hmm. And I think, right. And that's, I think we, we, we have imposter syndrome and we think, oh, I shouldn't be like this because this is not how a real PM, this is not how a real leader is. So we're creating that story that is not us. And we really push in a way that's really us um, in the corner. We, you know, it sits there like that uh, true self. We don't talk to it. And to me, a process of writing down or reflecting with someone or even on your own, what experiences and what stories brought you to where you are today? What part of you you do want you do not want to acknowledge mm-hmm. you do not want to admit right because a lot of pms also count come from very uh different backgrounds and sometimes we feel like oh my background and that experience is not a good fit i should not be talking about that and to me yeah sure there is a point in that and there is truth but the bigger truth is that if you keep pushing that away you're not really being first honest to yourself and second you're not able potentially to see other perspectives of that same experience that made you who you are today. So there is opportunity for me to really step up, own into your story and communicate it in a way that uh, really with the, like really reflects who you are. And then of course there are, I, I do believe strongly there are companies who resonate with that. And I've been in those companies and in those cultures, they really, um, you, you can, you can feel it. And, those are the biggest drivers that that I've seen. And then that working on your emotional intelligence after that. And, you know, I started thinking about as I was um, kind of preparing for the podcast about the soft skills. And what I realized is um, I think there is a reason why it's called soft. But for some reason, you know, that reason seems very negative. And the way I started thinking about it yesterday was really it's you softening, right? Mm-hmm. It's your heart is softening, which means you have more empathy. You also, you know, softening the way you talk, right? Because we tend to, in the in the product world, sometimes you know, be pretty pretty direct and kind of like, no, I said no. It's like we're not building this. Yeah. Um, and a really softening how we talk. Uh, that's a soft skill. And then even softening our, you know, muscles as we walk in the room and we feel like, oh, I belong in this room, mm-hmm. right? I'm here to tell my story. I'm not here to push the agenda. I'm here to share and convince via what seems like an authentic story in the way I think. I think the situation that you describe when you belong and you can soften is usually when you can find a company that has a very clear mission and you can associate with that mission. Because if you're just in a company that that's all about growth and commercial success, it's going to be all about juicing your to the max. And it's not going to be pretty. You're going to get exhausted after a couple of years and say like, and where am I? And where is my growth? What did I learn? What did I change? And I think like product people are such a wonderful group of people that are absolutely passionate and they're mission driven and they like want to be impactful in a way that's also ecological, that you're not just, you know, forcing other people to do what you want because PMs are not managers, but they lead a lot of people and they have a lot of influence. And you should be doing that in a way that it's not 
crippling anyone else or cutting corners but in a very positive way and it's a very difficult setup to be I know as you said also comfortable with yourself to abandon this imposter syndrome but also be humble and be soft it's it's such an amazing journey I'm, I'm incredibly happy that I'm a product manager and I started this and I moved to this career as well like 10 years ago it's been an amazing journey so far and I can only say that it's the more I work in this profession the more I learn about it and the more I see and especially as you also mentioned things about psychology or religion or behavioral economics or evolution theories like all they suddenly start to cross-pollinate with product management and everything starts to make sense and when you get this ability to look deeper and see patterns you just know what to do to make things better and it's like a superpower it's incredible oh yeah i love that you mentioned the patterns yes because that's exactly it once you look at what seems like very disconnected areas and in fact you know some of the books that i would recommend to any or podcast to any product manager none of them actually about product management they're all all over the place but those are the patterns right that i think so many product managers like it, it is one of our superpowers to to be able to see and apply to yourself. And then, as you said, it becomes almost like a knowing. It's not just an empirical, it's not just like, you know, very um, scientific knowledge or um, hypothesis, or it becomes a true knowing. Mm -hmm. Like you, you know, this is, this is how it is. So I love that you mentioned yeah. that. And I think this is what we do as product people, that we come into a situation with a lot of uncertainty, that is a pure chaos, and we start to see patterns, we connect them and we bring order globally and we create a product that can solve something and give you to the next step and th this is ultimately what we're doing we are structuring the reality around us in the digital world by creating products i think that's the fundamental mission or goal of a product profession in general hmm, very very true and very good observation yeah also what you just said made me think about that um uh, a really good one of my favorite quotes about kind of like product management and it comes from the um from elizabeth churchill she's a, a ux researcher at google she says i love products and i love humans but i love the intersection of both and that intersection of both to me is like wow this is where the magic happens right mm -hmm. when you're really combining those talented um but the high potential aspiring always evolving always becoming product managers with products well, you have almost like an amplifier effect, right? When you have good people, good humans building good products and you have a good leader who hopefully facilitates that process. It's, that's kind of like only the goodness of all of us and finding and ordering all of that chaos that humans and product bring naturally. Yeah, I can only say that I wish more teams and more companies would be working like that. That would be an amazing change that we could all make. Um, let's maybe switch the gear and take a look a little bit at the profession in general. So we talked about growth and product management, how it started and maybe men that are assertive and direct had a little bit more success, but now it's changing that people are softening up. We're opening up to like diversity and inclusion. That's a very uh, uprising trend, if not on the top already. Uh, what do you think will be happening to product management and like growth of product people in the future? What trends do you see now happening that probably will continue to develop from your perspective? Yeah, great. That's a great question. So I think one of them is, um, in my opinion, certainly that empowered product team model that I'm so 
happy to see being adopted or kind of even looked at mm-hmm. uh, by the product teams, right? Because to me, that's the um, that's the true way of product managers and product management as as a function to create value, to seat have a seat at the table, to really create products that solve problems in a very ethical ways. Mm-hmm. Second thought is really, I strongly believe that good humans have capacity to create good products, right? So if you are leading or you're building a product from the place of insecurity, if you are right there at your imposter syndrome, if you take things personally, to me, there is a a higher chance of either making an intentional mistake or not considering um, ethical or emotional part of specific behaviors, right? Even when talking about UX Mm -hmm. and design, um, not taking advantage of human behavior, but leveraging it to actually level up. So to me, that, that really speaks to, um, I do hope to see more training and more kind of coaching or education around that um, soft skills for product managers that really ties into their goodness to how you know, we are intrinsically are, but we just forget. Yeah. Another one, and then I've seen a really good article, um, maybe about six months ago, maybe like at the end of 2020 on um, HBR. And then they done the study on women leaders mm-hmm. during the pandemic versus men. Oh. And what they learned is that there was a huge gap between men and women in the pandemic, indicating that women tend to perform better in a crisis. In the leadership position. Yes, exactly. As a leader in their leadership position and organization, I think they took 16 competencies and they asked direct reports to assess both men and women leaders and women got um, higher ratings on each of those competencies. And those competencies were really about more on the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. side of things to how being an effective leader. All right, so to me, things like you know flexibility, adaptability, empathy, honesty, loyalty, uh, directedness, um, having even strong life force, being vulnerable, having confidence, but at the same time, open-mindedness with creativity and fluidity, those qualities have feminine energy. Mm-hmm. But those are the exact qualities that, um, based on that study, made women more slightly more successful at being leaders during the times of crisis. And to me, right, being in, in the business, there is always crisis. There's always something's happening. You have to adapt. You have to be flexible. You have to be honest with your people. And I do see that, or at least I hope, we will see more of adoption of those, um, you know, what used to be very feminine competencies. Uh, to me, it's just the feminine energy, right? Just like in yin and yang, yeah. you need to have a balance of both. Totally. Right? And to me, that's something that's partic- like in particular, the Western world might benefit by bringing some of those energies into our leadership, how we build products, how we lead teams, how we develop our um, our product managers and all other functions. So I do hope to see that trend more and more because I really want my, you know, my clients and in general product managers to not get stuck at the thought that, oh, what is that next skill, hard skill that I need to learn? To me, it would be like, how do I become a better storyteller? Mm-hmm. How do I develop my sense of um, you know, acceptance and calmness while, while communicating or influencing my team. 
Yeah, and I love everything about this report from HBR that female leaders are getting more uh, success and more efficiency during the crisis time because it's not about having this firm grasp and control over the situation. It's more about finding together the way out and this recognition for female leaders is just incredible. I'm also one of the mm -hmm. few lucky people to be reporting to female uh, product leaders. Both our VP and CPO are women and it's an incredible experience as well. I'm learning so much from them. It's so, so good to hear that from you you not only recognizing that but also using it as a leverage because i you know I, I see that even you know in the product culture that you said you kind of creating in the company it really speaks to that too so that's that's pretty great it's a rare opportunity and they are extremely professional they know so much it's just they they are there not just because it was a coincidence they really deserved that and i could learn a lot from them so it's uh, i'm quite lucky in that regard well, Katerina, um, I think this could be a very, very nice note to finish our conversation. It was, from my side, an amazing chat. I really, really liked it. Um, before we close it off, could you please share where people can connect with you online if they want to follow up or just reach out with a question? Yes, of course. Um, LinkedIn works great. Um, I'm usually very active. Uh, so just find me uh, by Katerina Suchkova. I um, also have a website. You can find me there at katerinasuchkova.com. Those two are great as a great start. Yeah, okay. I'm going to link to everything uh, in the show description. Then thank you again. It was an incredible chat. Have a really nice day. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. It was, it, was, it was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Top Tier is produced by me, Daniel Pavlichkov. Music for the show by Emmett Fenn. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and let me know what you think. The feedback form is in the episode's description. Thank you so much and talk to you next time.